1: Hello and welcome to the 4 Press Podcast presented by GolfWeek.com. I'm your host, David Dusak. And this week, my guest is Steve Demeglio. Steve is a senior writer with GolfWeek, GolfWeek.com, as well as USA Today Sports. And in the podcast you're about to hear, we talk about Brooks Kepka, who has been described as the apex predator of the PGA Tour. He obviously came back to win Sunday with a 65 to win the Waste Management Phoenix Open. We talk about what it means for Brooks Kepka to win, what his relationship is right now with his former swing coach, Claude Harmon. We also get deep into the woods on Jordan Spieth, who looked fantastic and really had social media lighting up over the weekend with his return to good play. Steve and I briefly discuss Xander Shoffley, and then we go into quite a bit of detail about Dustin Johnson, who won once again in the Middle East and how he's basically put a chokehold on the world number one ranking. There is no one dissuading getting that guy out of the number one spot anytime soon. And then Steve gives us a quick little preview. He is in Pebble Beach, California, where this week the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am is going to be taking place. There are not going to be, unfortunately, celebrities. No Bill Murray this year. No Don Cheadle. No Huey Lewis. Um, We're also playing that event on two golf courses, Spyglass Hill, which if you ask people who really, really know, Spyglass Hill is, apart from Cypress Point, probably the best golf course out on the Monterey Peninsula. I know people obviously like Pebble Beach. It's the one that's probably the prettiest. For me, Spyglass is the one. I love me some Spyglass Hill. Steve explains what the format's going to be of the tournament, how everything's going to go down. So sit back and enjoy.
0: The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Featuring For the Win's Steven Ruiz and Chris Corman. I know people are like assuming that this is an upgrade at the quarterback position, but
1: I don't think we could say that for a fact. I'd say it's, it's a downgrade. He never really had game-to-game impact just coming off the edge and destroying people that we thought when we saw his athleticism in college and at the combine. And- the
0: Counter. Diving deeper into the NFL with advanced stats, film study, and expert guests. This is The Counter. Listen and subscribe to The Counter on Apple Podcast Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.
1: Okay, I'd like to welcome back Steve Demeglio to the Forward Press Podcast. Steve, you're in one of my favorite places in the whole wide world, but in February, Pebble Beach, California, the Monterey Peninsula can be a particularly nasty place. What's uh what's the scene like right now out of Pebble?
0: Uh, like a dark movie going into a forbidden land. Uh, you know, the clouds are are over, you know, it's overcast. Um, it's just gray, uh, and it's cold. And, you know, without that sun, that psychological factor when you see the sun, you feel like you're warm. Well, that's not here mm-hmm. and and it's you know I, we won't we won't surpass 55 degrees all week. Um, hopefully we dodge the worst of the rain on Thursday and on Saturday, and then the forecast calls for really high winds on Sunday. So courses are going to play they're going to play long, they're going to play very soft. The greens are going to be very soft. Um, I would imagine there's going to be mud balls. Um, but um, sounds you know, great. For the most part, it's it's basically typical pebble weather. And no matter how cold you are, when you look out at the ocean and you see the waves crashing up against the 18th hole or the 7th hole below mm-hmm. or the 7th hole and so forth on the cliffs of Pebble Beach, it warms it warms your inner soul. So, um, like you said, there's worse places you could be, but um, yeah, they, they ain't going to be wearing short sleeves this week.
1: One of my favorite assignments that I've had for golf week is during the 2019 U.S. Open. I spent a day sitting along the, um, the hillside on number seven, just watching groups come through and basically guys taking, I think that day, not even, it was either gap wedge or trying to, to hit a, a little floaty sand wedge down onto number seven. And just taking in that scene, because it is probably about as beautiful as golf gets. I mean, you, could, you can make some arguments about a few other places. The paragliders that we get to see floating above La Jolla and the beaches there at Torrey Pines is really cool. And obviously Cypress Point right around the corner there is is as majestic as it gets. I would put um, that little area um, basically from you know, still cove seven, the gorge at eight and all the way down when you see the beaches down below and the, the surf on nine and 10, it's, it's as gorgeous and beautiful a place. And you're right. It warms you inside. You're so appreciative and so happy to be there. Even when the weather is not great, you know, it's cold, it's damp and you, you're wearing sweaters, you're wearing waterproof stuff because it's just, once you get cold and wet, you're going to stay that way all day. Um, it's it's one of my favorite places but it does have that sort of ominous sort of gloomy part to it which maybe sort of makes the the place even that much more special when you catch it in the sun someone who felt quite a bit of sun in the valley of the sun last week brooks kepka is back holy smokes where has this been what uh what was your reaction on sunday as brooks kepka comes in makes the big chars shoots 65 to basically steal the tournament steal the show what what did you think of brooks well,
0: I, I'm going to take a bow here, and, and I apologize ahead of time. But we have this new thing uh, for Golf Week where we're supplying some of our uh, newspapers in the Gannett chain uh, a Wednesday page of golf, um, mm-hmm. little tidbits here and there. And one of the things uh, we have to do is, uh, you know, sort of give somebody who's a keep an eye on who's who's a, who's the favorite of the mm-hmm. tournament, who's a mid shot, who's a long shot. And I look there and I see, oh. Here's a guy that, I mean, he's a four time major champion, former world number one. Yeah, he won this tournament in 2015, the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Yeah, and his name is Brooks Kepka, and he's sitting at 50 to 55 to 1. And I'm going, <laughs> hello. I don't care if he's missed three, you know, and some people say he's missed three consecutive cuts for the first time. Well, there was a time where he missed two consecutive cuts, then played at WGC that didn't have a cut, and then missed the next cut. So, You know, I think he's missed three consecutive cuts beforehand, but here he was, he had missed three consecutive cuts. But what I saw, the little I saw of him at Torrey, is I saw a guy that was healthy. And he wasn't scoring, and that, you know, he he hadn't played a whole lot of golf. So maybe that was the last thing that had to come back to him. And I knew he was going to a golf course that he loves. I knew it was a course that's pretty wide open um, and that the power hitters really get an advantage there. And at 55 yep. to one, you know, I said, okay, yeah, I like Brooks. Um, but you mm-hmm. could see on that back nine on Sunday, this, all the complete swagger was back. Um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, Brooks' swagger is a good swagger, and it means he's, he's playing well. I, I won't say he's completely back because it's up for one week, but, um, And he did beat a really good field. So, you know, he felt, he he felt the heat. I don't care if he was four or five Mm -hmm. groups ahead. He felt the heat. And I would imagine he's going to play Riv. Um, and, um, and the WGC a concession. So we'll see what his next start is like. But golf is in a better place when Brooks Kepka is Brooks Kepka. So it was good to
1: see. he was described by Paul Eisinger during the Sunday broadcast as the alpha predator. You know, he's, this is the Tyrannosaurus that's waiting to come out and and do a little bit of eating. And obviously I think you touched upon the fact that he has not been healthy. You know, he has been working. It was a knee and then it was a hip nagging kind of stuff um, that just lingers. And he's such a powerful player. And we've seen this, obviously it's been something that's been recurring with tiger before the back stuff goes in. There's so much pressure put on that front leg and the snapping of the knee and it's it's a lot of stress. It's a lot of strain. And Brooks is a big physical guy. He works out a lot with Joey D. He's a really, real you know, he's a Clydesdale. And when he gets, as you said, that swagger and he can you can see it in his eyes. You can see it in the body language. Um, he struts around and he knows he's the best player out there. And you as you said it was a, it was a stacked field some some great players. We'll talk about some of those players. That golf course lends itself to somebody who's playing the power game, who's ultra confident. And when he's healthy, Brooks is capable of doing that. Um how much should we read into or what do we make out of the fact that he and his swing coach, Claude Harmon, have parted ways? Sounds like it's very amicable. Um I don't know that you know he's gonna plan on picking up or working with anybody in the relatively near future. He's he's going it by himself. How much do you read into the fact that he's able to win this without a swing coach? That is that just a coincidence? Is that obviously that all that groundwork has been laid? Um what do you think about that?
0: I, I I don't think much you could, you know think into it too much. Um I mean, they're still tight. I mean, he's still in Brooks' inner circle, from what I've been told yep. and from what I've heard and from what Brooks has said. Um I just think Brooks had to do it on his own. I think sometimes, and, and Brooks talked about it afterwards, that there were some dark moments, there were some tears, there were some. He was wondering if he could ever be Brooks again, and that's what he went through. Um, and I think sometimes you just got to dig it out of the dirt yourself. You got to, you got to work it out yourself. And um, maybe he thought he was hindering Claude, and that um, he there were moments when Brooks was doubting himself, and he said, "Okay, I don't want to." have Claude tag around, tag along, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. But, um, I think Brooks just said, look, I got to do this on my own. Um, and he was very, from what I read on the transcript on Thursday or Friday, when he was asked who you working with, no one, are you going to do it alone? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, he was straightforward as he always is straight, you know, right jab to the face. And, um, and I just, you know, knowing Brooks, the little I do and, Knowing him from what we've seen in his actions um, over the years, I I think he takes great pride in being able to, hey, there are just times that i got to do it my own. And I think he got to one of those times. And sometimes, you know, where they say you just need a different voice in your ear, well, maybe you don't need a voice in your ear. Maybe, you know, he went the other way and said, no, I don't need a different set of eyes. I don't need a different voice to hear. I need silence. I need nothing. I need me. And I think he uh I think that that would be my take on it. So um who knows? They might reunite. He might go it alone for a long time. Um Ricky knows his swing. Ricky's guy is CAD, he knows the swing inside out. Um, I'm sure if he's got a lingering doubt, he can give a call to Claude. Um and Claude would definitely accept it. Um I would imagine there's Count, with, there's a bunch of players on the range he could go to. I mean, there's a story that needs to be written. All the tips and all the advice that players give to yeah. each other. You know, so um, I think this win did a world of good for him, and I think it erased any doubt he had. And he keeps telling us he's healthy. Now, again, he told us he was pretty much healthy basically when yes, he was on yeah. the DL. So, we'll take him at his word for this. And from what I've seen, again, when I saw him at Tory and and saw on the TV this week at Phoenix he's um, he does look healthy so it looks like Brooks is if he's not back he's very 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 close
1: so i started out in golf writing and golf journalism writing instruction stories and i was very fortunate to work with some of the very best folks that are out there people who were PGA of America teachers of the year multi, you know all kinds of folks and um, one of the biggest compliments that a student, professional player, or otherwise can give to the coach is telling them that I don't need you right now. Because basically what that's doing is saying that, like, I, I understand what we're talking about. I have to go out and execute it. I need to do it. And having some eyes out there, as you alluded to, is, is sometimes really important. But if, if Brooks Koepka, and we've seen this from other players before – has enough confidence in the fact that like, he understands his swing and his game well enough where he just needs to go out and, as you said, dig it out of the dirt, just go out there, do what he needs to do, stay healthy, then in some ways that's the ultimate compliment that he can give to Claude because he and Claude Harmon have been able to work to the point where he understands what he has to do. If he feels that there's corrections or tweaks or modifications, things like that that need to be made, he's comfortable enough to do it. And that he and Ricky can work through what they need to work through. And, and yeah, he's working with net Because I, I, it seems like, as you said, Claude Harmon is is still very much a part of the inner circle. If there's a phone call or some video that needs to be exchanged or whatever, of course, yeah, he's going to take that. But I think in some ways it's the ultimate tip of the hat to Claude in a way in that he feels confident enough to be a lone wolf because he understands, with Claude's help, what his swing and what his game is all about. And sometimes I think that concept gets a little bit lost. Um, speaking of lost and now found Jordan Spieth, I, you know, we're supposed to stay impartial, but you know, you, you had mentioned that, um, you know, you, you took a look at, at uh, Brooks Kepke 55 to one. You and I have talked quite a bit over the last, say two or three years about Jordan. And we were, we were buying all the Jordan Spieth stock about a year ago that we could get our hands on. Now, Jordan didn't win, um, and there's a big difference between playing some really good golf and and getting a, a nice finish, you know, out of a tournament. Um, but Jordan Spieth tying for fourth after shooting 67, 67, and then I think critically a 61 on Saturday that was absolutely magic. The putts going in, good some good fortune here and there, but but he has been battling the one crap round thing for a while. Um a 72, I'm sure for him was very disappointing on Sunday. Jordan Spieth being back, to me, is every bit as important for golf and potentially great for golf as seeing Brooks Kepka back. What, what was your reaction? What was going through your head as you saw Jordan playing last weekend?
0: Well, I said there's few things in golf better than watching Jordan do Jordan things. You know, Jordan Spieth doing Jordan Spieth things. And I'm serious. I mean, it's like, okay, you put up what Tiger did the 2019 Masters. Um, it Phil goes nuts and starts going, you know, Phil style. Um, there's just very few things where seriously, when you're watching the TV or you're watching it in person and you see this magic, you smile. You know the game is in such a better place. Social media went berserk when people Jordan was doing what Jordan was doing. Um, and, yes, he was technically going the final round. But what I see and what I've heard from other people I've talked with um and we saw on Sunday, Jordan still doesn't have that go-to shot off the tee. He just does not have a go-to shot off the tee. So Saturday, 61, you know, it could have very easily been a 68. Um, you know, he chipped in from behind the green on 10. He made three bombs, two bombs and, you know, about three 30-footers. He drove it into the desert a couple of times and got some playable vibes. You know, if he's one foot over on one of his shots. He's, behind, he's in a cacti. That's a penalty mm-hmm. drop. So he, he, even though he has done this in the past where he's been fighting swings, you know, fighting some bad form, he was still getting the ball in the hole. And I still think that's the big single great talent that golfers have. You just get the ball in the hole and some people can just do it. And Jordan is one of those. And, and you know he's done it in the past, but you know when he doesn't have a go-to shot off the tee, when you know it's still in the back of his mind, man, where's this ball going? Is it going left? Is it going right? <laughs> um, you know, on Sunday, he drove it into the water on 15. He drove it in the water off of 17. I think he got unlucky on 17. My lord, he bounced that thing 30 yards to the right of the water, and it just kept rolling, 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 and it just dropped in, you know, dropped at the last minute, but is Jordan back? Oh no, 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 no. And he even said so. He doesn't, no, no, this is just part of the process. You gained a lot of confidence though, but Hey, the work has to continue and it's going to go forward. And now let me interrupt you for a second,
1: because that was, that was what I wanted to come in with is, is that it's so easy to overreact. And, and these two instances where we're talking about Brooks Kepka being back. And and I think there's a huge difference and you're hitting on it between, uh, we're talking about two guys who are both former world number ones, multiple major champions. Um, one is coming off of an injury that clearly sidelined him for, I'd say conservatively 12 months, but probably more like 18. I mean, it was a while that Brooks was just not right. Jordan hasn't won as you know, since he won the British open at Birkdale and it's been now, you know, years and they're, they're trying to come back from two totally different places. I think the overreact is one of the things that we have to guard against. I don't know how much people are really overreacting, but, but as you mentioned, on social, you would have thought that Jordan Spieth was winning the U.S. Open again. And yeah. I'm like, hold on a second. This is, as you're pointing out, some very good breaks, some things that are not you know, going to be repeated every round. He's not going to be making multiple 40-footers um, when he's in contention every Saturday. Um, but yeah, it's it's we, we got to guard against the react here on Jordan, don't we?
0: Oh, I think so. A- absolutely, and Jordan's guarding against it. I mean, people yep. should just read what he said after the words on, afterward on Sunday. You know, look at you look at 2018 Masters, the one that Patrick Reed won. There's Jordan sitting on the 18th tee, and either it was one back or he was tied. I know on 16, he made a 20 footer on 16, and the earth moved. I mean, it shook. That's that's as loud as I've heard it there, except for a tiger roar. A couple of tiger roars, and he was tied for the lead. And then, you know, he hit the tree branch on eighteen, and he ended up, I think, two back, and he, he finished third. But he had a chance to win there. Um, and you know, what if that doesn't hit that tree branch? And what if he does go on? I know those are a lot of ifs, ifs, ands, and buts, mm-hmm. but we wouldn't be talking like this because he would have had his confidence back. But here's a guy; he's not giving up the fight. And, you know, I I talked with his dad, um, who knows him as well as anybody outside of probably his wife, Annie. Um, And I I talked to him at the Zozo at Sherwood, and he just said, there's too much talent there that that he won't win again. And there's too much fight in there that he won't win again. And then he said something that really, really stuck with me. He said, in the beginning, it was getting to him, and now... He's started to enjoy the battle back. He started mm. to enjoy knowing the work ahead that he has to do and that there are going to be bad rounds still in his future, but he's enjoying the digging himself out of the hole. And if you've got all that and we saw what he was doing, I mean, he crushed everybody at the 15 masters um, and he was in total control of that open championship, uh, except for, you know, uh, he lost in a 13 and he lost it early in the fourth round. Um, but then he became Jordan again. Um He's won other tournaments by eight. You know, Pebble here, he won by seven or eight shots one year. And he just totally dominated the field. He's done it before. I think he'll get back to doing it again. Now, will he win another three majors? I don't know. But I would not be surprised if he completes the Grand Slam before anybody else does. You know, Phil is one mm-hmm. short. Rory McIlroy is one short. Brooks is two short. DJ's is two short. Who will be the next person if there is a next person to complete the Grand Slam? I don't know. I mean, I, I think Jordan definitely could do it. So he's going to keep the fight. He does get discouraged, but it doesn't crush him. He wakes up the next morning saying, great, hey, it's a new day. Got to do my work. Let's go. And so mm-hmm. this week, I think it'd be a boatload of confidence for him going forward. If he comes here and plays like he usually plays at APT T Pebble beach, I think in eight starts, he's got seven top twenties. I think like five top tens he's won here before. Um, and he loves his place. Uh, and so, you know, these aren't the greatest greens in the world. They're the toughest, trickiest greens sometimes to putt. And there's not a better putter on these type of greens than he is. So, Um, If he can put two back-to-back good weeks, then, Mm -hmm. uh uh-oh, there's another step in the right direction. But, you know, you don't want to be spraying it at Spyglass and you don't want to be spraying it in the wrong directions at Pebble. But uh, he's in the right place to keep his momentum going.
1: I don't know that um, the—I think when Jordan was really at at his apex, 14, certainly 15, 16— his putting was so good that I think that that in some ways dominated the narrative. I mean, he and Jason day there were just going back and forth as who's going to be the greatest putter. And and Jordan just had this uncanny knack for making a lot of long ones, you know, from 15, 20, 25 feet. He was, he was just like a warlock with that, with that putter. I mean, he was unbelievable. And I remember talking to him, um, at the Northern trust, I think it was in 17 And he was that year, it might've been six, excuse me, It was 16. And that year he was number one in strokes gain approach the green, which is one of the most coveted stats um, on the PGA tour, because that means basically you are the best ball striker, the best guy with the irons in the game. And you combine that with fantastic putting and you get, you know, cream of the crop, vintage Jordan Spieth. And I asked him about that and I said, you know, do you think that people really appreciate how much work you put in to become the player that you have been I, you know and his eyes lit up because it was you know he's been talked about like oh such so is course management and just wise and he's got you know this real sense of of how to play the game with what tools he's got and you know out these guys who hit it past him and all this and that i think he loves the fight i think you're touching on something steve that's really important to realize for people is that that when Jordan is going against Brooks or Dustin Johnson or in some ways Rory McElroy, you know, he's, he's giving up so much distance and so much power. And that's where the game is, is, is really so much being focused that Jordan has to grind and work stuff out. And I think that he, he it is not being appreciated maybe quite as much for how much work and effort and how fine a line it is for him to be able to compete. And I think he knows that. he's one of those guys, I think one of the reasons why people really pull for him is he looks like us. Like, he's not six foot five inches tall. He's not 270 pounds of ripping muscle and this and that. He looks like a guy, you know, who's, who would be doing anything else, but he's got these amazing hands. He's got this fantastic brain and he's got a work ethic that's, you know, goes on for days. And if he really is of the mindset, and I totally believe you that... I'm willing to take the good days and the bad days. I'm just going to keep grinding through it, keep grinding through it. Oh, great. We had some really good stuff that happened to us at Waste Management. Hey, we're going back to Pebble. We've had some good rounds of Pebble. We've had some challenging rounds of Pebble. Okay. Um, You know, the US Open for him was challenging in a lot of ways in 2019. He and Michael Greller got into it evidently a little bit. Um, I followed them you know, for a couple rounds. It was it was testy at some points. And then they made up and then they were fine. And that's how relationships between players and caddies can be. But the work continued. And I, I I give all the credit in the world to the guys who are willing to grind and grind and grind and simply not give up. And I agree with you. There is too much talent. He's still so young and there's so much success to draw upon when he's in these slumps. And if he can come back Brooks can come back, and you know, hopefully we get Tiger Woods to come back from his injuries um, and feel better. Then, boy, golf is in a really, really kind of fun place as we get ready for the major championship season. You know, and and hopefully the world becomes a better place in twenty one. I want to ask let you a little uh, bit real quick hey, let, about. Let me no, I'm sorry, let me yeah, go ahead.
0: Real quick. Um, yeah, I don't think a lot of people know this, and I, we didn't know this for about six or seven months. I think the worst moment that was caught on TV during the 19, 2019 U.S. Open between Spieth and Greller was when Spieth drove it in the, over the cliff on eight, and then he hit a perfect uh-huh. approach shot on eight into the green over the green, and he yells back, mm-hmm. "All right, there's Michael. You know, two perfect shots, and I'm over the green hitting four. And you know, it was biting remarks, and everybody picked up on it. Six months later, Greller said, "I didn't know. I, I didn't hear a word. He didn't hear mm-hmm. any of it." Um, he says, I didn't know about it until after the round and then we never talked about it. But there were other mm-hmm. statistics changes. But at that one I just found it amazing. I mean, you gotta remember, Michael Greller has the patience of Job and he used to be a third grade teacher and a fourth grade teacher. School
1: teacher. And
0: yep. and so he's used to you know, deflecting things and you know, he was behind um as Jordan was walking up the hill on eight at Pebble and he insisted he didn't hear a word. So I just thought that was just amazing little anecdote there, but
1: I'm, I'm glad you I'm glad you said that. I mean, I, I made a point of following them the following day after that exchange, and everything was fine. There didn't seem to be anything going on. Jordan was trying his ass off to 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 get out in that tournament and to put some pressure on the leaders to catch up to Woodland to to catch up to where Brooks was was sort of making his moves and was certainly a part of all that. They, they fight together. They ha- and I think this is something that you know we can have a whole podcast on. The, the relationship between players and caddies, every one of them is unique. Every team works the way that they work. Phil and Bones worked the way they work. Stevie Williams and Tiger Woods had their own way of sort of doing some things. Every partnership is not only going to have its ups and downs, but their own way of handling stuff. And whatever Jordan and Michael have been through, I think, just no- does nothing but probably solidify that they will, at some point, just like everybody else, potentially part ways. It happens, they're pros, they will go about doing whatever. I don't think it happens for a long time. I like them both. Um, I have no info, obviously, on that because I think everything is good. And yeah, it's, it's just, we just have to understand that within these tight teams that basically get created, a core group, they have their own way of handling stuff. It's fascinating mm-hmm. if Michael didn't hear that because it was, it was a deal to obviously everybody who picked up on it, there was all kinds of stuff as, as you're reminding me. And, uh, if it wasn't a deal to him, then it wasn't a deal like that. That just isn't it. Hey, how much did Xander Shoffley lose this tournament in your minds more than Brooks winning it? Cause Xander looked like the guy to beat. He was answering speed on Saturday, birdie for birdie. I going into Sunday, was like Xander's Xander's the horse you got to get. Um, and he didn't really come out of the gates too strong.
0: I'm not, I, I'm not in a camp that, uh, thinks right away, did this guy lose it or did the other guy win it? Um, Yes, there are cases that can be definitely can be made historically in any sport. That team definitely lost that game instead of that team winning the game. But a lot of people bring this up a lot, especially with Tony C now, and now we have Xander. You know, Xander's leading the FedEx Cup and he hasn't won this year. He's leading the FedEx Cup standings because I think he has five top fives and seven starts. Um, um, And people are wondering... Can he finish? I'm saying, why are we looking at the negative when the man is putting himself in position week after week after week after week after week, which is as hard as anything to do out there on the PGA Tour? I mean, you know, I remember the few times I covered the NFL. I covered a bunch of the uh, And a lot of the NFL players told me one of the greatest achievements in the history of the game was the Buffalo Bills making four consecutive Super Bowls. Making one Super Bowl is tough enough. Making two is even tougher. But four in a row. Yes, they lost all four, but still. One team made four consecutive Super Bowls. That's tough. Now we're looking at Xander. Now people are wondering, oh, he can't close. Um, and they're looking at Tony Fina. Oh, he can't close. I mean, I, I, whereas I'm looking at it, these guys keep putting themselves in position because they're one of the best players in the game. Both of them are. And it's going to happen. Um Right now, if I had to buy stock, who would win the next tournament between those two? I would take Xander, um, but just very slightly. Um, I don't think Xander has any problem with winning a tournament. He's won four before. I don't think Tony Finau, now, even though he's only won one and it was an opposite field event. You know, the guy's played in a President's Cup. He's played in a Ryder Cup. He's been in the final group at the Masters. Um, he's lost in a playoff. I mean, look at last year, uh, the Waste Manager Phoenix Open. He played lights out and so did Webb Simpson and Webb just happened to beat him. I mean, so is, is Tony, Tony Finau, uh, not a closer is, I mean, is he in a bad place because he's not closing out? Is Xander in a bad place? Cause he's not closing out. I look at it this way. Hey, I'd, I'd be like, I'd, I'd, I'd like to be either one of those guys knowing mm-hmm. that, Hey, my chances starting on Thursday, pretty darn good, I'm going to be in the heat of the battle on late Sunday. I'll take that. And, you know, you hear it over and over again, and sometimes you, a lot of players go deep with it. It's tough to win out here. I mean, 156 guys, one guy wins. 144, one guy wins. 132 guys start, one guy wins. Um, you lose far more often than you win. Um, so, I <laughs> I have no worries about Xander Schauffele going forward, and I have no worries about Tony Finau going forward.
1: Um, well, when you they, consider this, Steve, that, that Xander Schauffele is right now ranked four in the world. So, I, yeah, obviously, but... we don't need to worry a whole hell of a lot about a guy who's top five. The, I, you know I wonk out on stats and this and that. And I, I sort of put together a, a little chart for a story on GolfWeek.com that showed um, two stats. Strokes gained tee to green. Which is basically how good are you playing, taking away your putting, and then strokes game putting. And I plotted out where everybody sort of falls. How well, you know, sometimes you get guys who like Patrick Reed are off the charts great putters, and when they have a pretty good ball striking week, he he's going to be there. He's going to make his share of putts. Then you get guys potentially like Rory, um, who are going to you know be fantastic off the tee, can be great with their irons. The putter runs a little hot cold. Xander Shoffley right now is the best in terms of the combination he is the only guy that's top 10 in both okay mm. so he's putting great his t to green game is great he's you know top 30 around the greens everything is clicking and as you said there's a hell of a lot of guys who are really really good that can sometimes you'll know, just have their day and brooks Kepka shooting 65 he has his day you know what? That's going to happen. I, I agree. I I know that it maybe doesn't make for great pod when when the two people are agreeing all the time. But Xander is really really talented. I think he's got a good, um, good head on his shoulders. He's got a good perspective on everything. Again, we're talking about a guy who is 27 years old. Um, he you know is right now ranked number one in FedEx cup points, which doesn't mean a hill of beans in February, but it does mean you're playing consistently well because it's not like it's as weird as it sounds. The season just started yesterday. The season started back in October. Um, You know, you sort of got to keep keeping your head around the fact that we've got this rolling schedule. So yeah, to me, Xander, would he like to win? Of course. Um, But yeah, it's good. I'm a little bit more concerned with now because I wish he putted better. And I wonder sometimes if it starts to get into him, but I don't have those worries about Xander. I, yeah. I think if you're if Xander loses, someone outplays him and beats him, I don't see him being the guy who, you know, with a seven-footer that he's got to make on Sunday on 15, I'm perfectly confident that he makes that one. I don't know yeah. that I feel the same way about Tony.
0: I mean, and Tony, I think, now has 37 or 38 top 10 since he last won, um, which is by far more than anybody else in that time period. And so, yep. yeah. If forced to, I could make a case that, yes, this guy does suck to feel too much heat coming down the stretch. But then I would point to Phoenix last year. He didn't feel the heat. He just got beat by Webb Sampson who went bonkers. you know. Um, but getting back to Xander, and I didn't see it in the transcript after he talked on Sunday, but what stood out, a lot of things stood out. They always do when you watch Xander play. But they were commenta- commentating on it, too. He was suddenly hitting it 350, 360. He was gaining. He was hitting it farther than anybody can remember ever seeing him hit the golf ball. And they were wondering, they were joking. I think one on-course commentator said to another one said, "When did Xander get so long?" So <laughs> if he is, if that wasn't just a one-week wonder, he's got that in his arsenal now too. Because he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's certainly not the biggest guy in the world. But he's, nope, he's nope. built. He's strong. He's, he's pound for pound strong. And, but now, if that wasn't a one week wonder, because it was, it, it blew everybody away. I mean, Zanger was talking about it. Uh, the on course commentators were talking about it. I was watching them when they were tape measuring the 18th hole. And I'm going, man, Xander mm-hmm. just pumped it past Brooks. I mean, whoa. I mean,
1: He's, wow. he, he played so. and he drove, he drove it, he drove it beautifully. I mean, he was, and and he was really impressing Azinger who was, you know, my gosh, it's, he's hitting a cut here. He's hitting a draw there. Who who draws mm-hmm. a driver? Well, I'm like, yeah, Joffley feels obviously as confident his, as he could possibly be. Um, he Um The only person who probably has more confidence than the, the above mentioned guys, you know, we've talked about Brooks. We've talked about Jordan getting it back. Dustin Johnson, of course, the world number one, Wins um, on the European tour, the Saudi Invitational, played in Saudi Arabia. He wins uh, that tournament by two strokes over the aforementioned Tony Finau mm-hmm. and Justin yeah. Rose. Um, he didn't make a single putt. My gosh, this guy, mm-hmm. he, he tried to give it away. But winning with your B game over a field that's, that had some pretty good players in it. Terrell Hatton was there. Victor Hovland was there. Um, you know, we mentioned, obviously, Finau and Rose, Sergio Garcia, who's been sneak, kind of, sort of sneaky playing well. Bryson was there. Um, the, how much of a chokehold do you sort of see right now uh, Dustin Johnson putting on world no, on the world number one ranking? It feels like he is just solidifying this thing is like, OK, Brooks, OK, everybody else like this is going to be mine in 21.
0: Well, he he's got a big advantage right now he would basically have to fall off the charts and somebody would still have to win a couple, two or three times to pass it. It's a big lead from one to two. Um, there, there's a the big gap between he and John Rahm, who's still at number two. Um, and Dustin Johnson now is, I think has gotten to a place where very few players have ever gotten. The guy could putt poorly and still win at yes. the highest level. I mean, I still remember it at Chambers Bay in 2015, how many times, Putt. He just grazed the hole. And then, of course, you know he three-putted from 12 feet. When he, A two-putt would have put him in the playoff. a One putt would have won in the U.S. Open. And he three-putted. And he lost by one. I remember that third round when the USGA lost control of Shinnecock Hills. Didn't think there was going to be wind, even though they're on an island. Um, <laughs> he hit so many putts that were stayed on the edge or just grazed the hole or horseshoed. And he shot 77 that Saturday after taking a four-shot lead after 36 holes. And he shot 77, and he still finished the next day. Finished two back of Brooks. But so here's a guy who can just get heartburn on every putt that doesn't go in because every putt he's hitting looks like it's going to go in, and he's still right there. Um, He's got all the firepower. Um, I'm working on talking to a lot of people that are in his inner circle and have seen him for a long time, uh, as we lead into his master's defense. Um, and you talk about a guy who doesn't get enough credit for his golf IQ. Number one, for the work he puts in on the range and in the gym, number two, um, and the fact that, yeah, everybody knows he can hit it a country mile. Well, the man's got a great set of hands. Um, he's a great chipper of the ball. He's really solid from 150 yards in, and that was his weakness about five uh-huh. or six years ago before he stumbled into a track man and the track man became his best buddy. Um, and all of a sudden <laughs> he became one of the best wedge players. So um, it's going to take a lot for somebody to pass DJ this year. Um, I sort of cringed. I kept hearing it over and over again on the Thursday broadcast and on golf channels, intro shows and stuff that Xander Schauffele is the most consistent player in the world right now. And I'm saying, why did DJ, John, the Dustin mm-hmm. Johnson just leave earth. I mean, he, Dustin Johnson's won five times since we came back from COVID. He lost an play. You know, he lost, he's been his second runner up twice too. I mean, what more do you, what kind of consistency do you want? Um, yeah. this is, a, I'll tell you what, one thing, one thing that I, and I don't want to give away everything I'm going to be writing on Dustin Johnson, but Butch Harmon, who still works with, with Dustin, but though Claude Harmon is, uh, is uh, Dustin's guy out on the road. and But uh, Dustin still sends video to uh, Butch, and they still talk a lot. And Butch famously was with Tiger during Tiger Slam, when the greatest golf that's ever been played was Tiger. And Butch said, uh, Dustin Johnson right now is as close to what Tiger was during that time as anybody he has seen. The only thing is, is Tiger gave it 15 years of it. Dustin's given yeah. us about a year and a half of it, but that this is as close as he's seen anybody come to what tiger was doing during the tiger slam. Um, so that's, that's pretty good golf and, and you know, Dustin isn't sad. He is not satisfied. Um, I think the one thing he would like to do more than anything else on this earth is get into a boat with his two boys and go fishing. But he wants to also go to that range and work with his track man. Then go to that first tee and pummel people. So he hasn't lost his energy to win. He hasn't lost his dedication to work. Um, his commitment <laughs> needed. Um, and I say it's going to be really, really hard for somebody to pass him this year.
1: Well, I think it's going to also be really, really hard for somebody to win the Masters other than Dustin Johnson, unless you know we, we keep him away from the stairs. You keep, keep keep him away from you know the injuries and stuff like that because. I think it's a huge advantage for him to have won the Masters in November and to have six months later going back to Augusta National. This is a guy who's got a great track record there, even though obviously 2020 was the first time that he won. He's playing so well. Um, we're going to be heading you know, through the West Coast swing. I want to ask you a little bit about some things that are going on right now. But everything is sort of lining up where DJ can just sort of keep the train rolling um, and head right back to Augusta National. And there is no reason to think that if his form is anywhere close to where it is right now, being the defending champion, that that he retains the green jacket, that he's able to keep it because he's now proven he can win there. I think that he would, just as anybody would, would love to retain it, to to back up a major and to, to double it up would be a great accomplishment. And I think he's got obviously every shot in the world to do it. He's not winning this week because he withdrew from Pebble. Do we do we know why he he withdrew at this point?
0: Well, his agent. I got a hold of his agent this morning. Um, they put out a statement. He, he's a little tired, um, and he just thought it be, it'd be best for him to. And it's part scheduling too. I mean. Uh, and uh, well, who the
1: hell schedules themselves to be in Saudi Arabia, and then fly well, literally halfway around the world and play a pebble?
0: Well, he was set to do it, but he thought a week rest. He'd rather be at home with the boys and with Paulina, um, mm-hmm. and that he, he, he give himself some rest so he'd be a tip top shape for Riv. And even though he loves Pebble and he's won here twice and he's finished second here twice, and some of his greatest golf memories are here because he's played with Wayne Gretzky. Um, you know. I'm thinking if Wayne, if they were going to be amateurs here this year, I think he would have played. Um, that's a great point. But, um, without the amateurs, um, he gets a little more rest and then he's going to play Riv and then he's going to play the WGC at the concession. And those are two big tournaments. I, I don't think he's, I think he's going to take off Arnie's and then he's going to play the players. Then I think he's going to take off Honda and then he's going to play match play and then he's going to go to Augusta. So nothing's wrong with him. His agent told me everything is fine. He had a bit, little bit of jet lag, but other than that, everything is tip-top shape. Oh, yeah. There's nothing wrong with him. Um, he just wanted to do some rest. So, Totally unfortunately,
1: understandable. Um, yeah,
0: unfortunately, yeah. he won't be here at Pebble, but uh, yeah, life well, goes on.
1: Bill, Wayne's not going to be here. Uh, not here. Over there, you're at Pebble, I'm not. Bill Murray and the celebrities. How much of a different vibe is Pebble gonna have this year? I mean, the, the format has changed. The celebrities aren't gonna be there. We're playing it on two golf courses. I love Spyglass. Spyglass to me is an absolute treasure. Love it to death, but how much does it change the dynamics of the tournament? And can you, For people who may not be aware, what is the format on the two golf courses? Is everybody playing Pebble twice and Spyglass once? How, how are they gonna work this thing before we get to the final round?
0: Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll play Spyglass and Pebble one, once each, and then both mm-hmm. rounds, both weekend rounds are at Pebble. So okay. if you make the cut, you'll cool. play three rounds at Pebble, one round at Spyglass. Um, the players look at, uh, a lot of the players will tell you that they do miss the, uh, amateurs. They're going to miss the amateurs. But. Um, but <laughs> they're not going to miss the six hour <laughs> rounds. Right. Um, the, uh, how it changes the dynamic. So you're going to have quicker rounds. Um, You're also going to have tougher tougher pins,
1: I would imagine, too, right? Yeah,
0: tougher pin placements. There's a couple of new tees at Pebble Beach. I don't know if they're going to use them or not, Um, but if they do, that changes things there. Um, It's wide open. I mean, there is not a stand out here. Um, Wow. And so sight lines are going to be drastically different. Um, but it's just, it looks marvelous. It's, it's, it's fantastic. I haven't been to spy yet, so I don't know what spy looks like, but there's not a whole lot of stands over at spyglass anyway. So I don't think that's going to have that much of a different feel to it. Um, so you're going to have tougher pin placements. The weather isn't going to be great. Um, you're going to have quicker rounds. Um, especially when you're playing with two professionals instead of playing in a foursome with two amateurs, you know, you you know, some amateurs can take a long time getting off the tee Mm -hmm. and getting to the middle of the fairway and getting up to the green. And, you know, that won't be the case there. Unfortunately, we'll miss the comedic genius of Bill Murray. Um, You know, and there's a lot, Justin Timberlake was always a pleasure to watch, a bunch of other amateurs and celebrities. Um, But yeah, there's going to be a, big different vibe but uh and it's going to be completely different but again these players adapt and they do it week by week by week by week they certainly adapted to the COVID-19 safety measures quickly and safely and they've done a great job with that they're going to adapt everything here so um, a lot of them are a little bummed out. The scores are going to, I have to believe the score is going to be lower, um, because Monterey yeah. Peninsula country club isn't in the mix because the Monterey Peninsula par fives at Monterey Peninsula were, were just easy pickings. Um, so you don't have those easy birdies at the Monterey Peninsula that you knew were coming. Um, and spyglass, a soft, long spyglass is a monster as you it, it is it's just complete it oh, yeah. is a monster so um i gotta believe the, the scores are going to be low I, I mean you know um, you give me 10 under you know that could win um but uh yeah the the only sounds we're going to hear are some seals and some waves crashing below and then a couple of golf claps from your fellow competitors so
1: but it'll be fun it's, it's always fun. It's pebble beach. It's spyglass hill. Um, it's, it's a great spot. If you ever have a chance to play it, folks, both of them are absolute gems. They're very different. Um, one of my favorite golf holes in the world out there, uh, you know, a couple of them are, are, are right there on that peninsula. You gotta love seven at pebble. You gotta love, um, you know, four or five, that little swing through spyglass hill is just adorable. It's it's uh-huh. great. I, I love it. Um and even the, the the holes that are up through the forest are really, really oh, yeah. good. It. It's a very different vibe. But it's it's so good. Um listen, Steve, stay warm out there. Enjoy, maybe a little red wine. It sounds like the fire pit is not gonna be happening because the uh the weather may not be conducive, but enjoy pebble beach and uh we'll bring you back to the four press real soon thanks a lot pal
0: you betcha thanks big man just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any
1: type of uh human remains that are left